Hey, it's your girl, Diamond Blaze. Thank you so much for joining my segment this evening. My guest is Miss Denise Maupin. She's an activist. She's an author. She's a life coach. She's an inspiration. Please enjoy this. Don't forget, subscribe, share, follow, and be on the lookout for this wonderful woman to continue to be a trailblazer. You will not be disappointed. Good afternoon, Miss Denise. Thank you so much for joining me. You have no idea, let me just say this. <laughs> you have no idea what an honor and a blessing is to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. So I just want to do the introduction. Thank you so much for joining um, this segment of Diamonds Blaze. I'm your host. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, I felt like I had to sneeze. If you can, please take a few moments just to introduce yourself to the listeners so they can get a little familiar with you. Um, well, I mean, my name is Denise Maupin. Uh, I mean, there's so many things to say about myself. Uh, I'm just a- another woman out here trying to do the right thing, like so many others, including yourself. Yes, indeed. And just to say that I follow you on um, on TikTok. That's how I became familiar with you and, and your story. Um, what I have learned just from some of the content that you put out there, you are a total inspiration to a lot of women, especially women like myself. Um, I did not grow up the same way you did. However, I did also have some hardships as well um dealing with um abuse in different forms um watching some loved ones of mine go through homelessness um drug use um alcoholism and and a lot of different hardships um and i know that there's been a lot of hot topics recently i still wasn't able to understand why everyone came at you as hard as i did so you know, I'm like, I see you're very outspoken. You know, you're you're a woman of your word. You call people out. And because you lived a life and you made major transformations, um, I think a lot of times people tend to want to try to people you to keep people in a box like you, you can't survive and you can't excel. Um, and that's one thing that I can say when you call people out on their stuff, either they want to acknowledge that they messed up or they're going to try to deflect and you are not the one to come to <laughs> when, when somebody's trying to come at you and, and hit you from the kneecap so let me ask this question um i remember you you had done an interview um i took a took a gander and, and, and saw some of the things you had done um and you talked about your past what was it like for you growing up in LA I mean you know it's different for everyone in LA because you know contrary to the stereotypes of LA um, (laughs) there's so many different communities in LA Um, for myself uh, I'll say that it was rough a lot of that because of my immediate family my upbringing um, and the people that I chose to align myself with, um, of course, made all of the things in L.A. even more difficult. Um, and it just also depends on which part of my life we're, we're referring to. Um, it's interesting. I was listening to what you said uh, in the beginning uh, a few minutes ago that, uh, you know, I'm not the one to come to and that I have no problem checking people. Um, and the truth is, I really don't go after people. Um, <laughs> right. Contrary to what people think. I don't really go after, I do defend myself and I do defend others. Um, so it may come off like I, you know, correct people. You know, I don't see myself as the accountability accountability police. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that uh, as adults, people need to take themselves, you know, hold themselves accountable. 
Um, so I just wanted to speak on that real quick. But back to L.A. Um, L.A. can be a very, very rough place, um, depending on where you're at. Um, for me, I aligned myself with individuals and environments that were not conducive for anyone's development or safety. Um, therefore, I went through a lot. So what was, um, so there was like a shift for you between 12 and 14 um, that you- Well, that you prior, to, pr- prior to 12, I was in Washington State with my father. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so, and, then that's, and then you left there. And how, how was that, like Washington? I, I don't really hear that much about Washington State unless you know people talk about Seattle, but how, how was that? Well, I was on the um, northeastern side of Washington, on the other side of Washington. So, um, you know, this was the 70s. So it was, um, I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot happening in Washington. Um, I grew up in a, like a 12, like there was like 1,200 people in the town. Mm-hmm. Um there was one stoplight in the town, one, you know, one gas station, one grocery store, you know, one school uh, for each, you know, uh, elementary, middle and high school. Everybody knew each other. Um, it was predominantly uh, white and Native American. Um, there was a reservation there as well. Um, I grew up on Native owned land. Um, we were the only people of Latin descent. You know, my father's Cuban. And uh, so it was, uh, we were treated differently always. Um, my family, of course. Um, but it was, it's more like very nature, right? Mm-hmm. Living off the land. Um, it's a lot of farms. Um, so, you know, like I said, there was only 1,200 people in the town. There's more than that in a school. Um, right. in most cities so um, being that you went from a small town of 1200 people was it like an overwhelming shock to you when you when you left that little town in Washington State going to California absolutely oh <laughs> absolutely like <laughs> yeah to say the least like it was a, definitely a culture shock uh, culture shock let me emphasize culture shock mm-hmm. um Culturally, uh, you know, it's very much, it's it's a lot slower there, of course. Um, and coming here, it was like, there were so many people, so many cultures, and so many lifestyles. Mm-hmm. All in one place. All in one building. Like, you can be in an apartment building and have every culture there is. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a culture shock. Um, but I fit right in. Oh, okay. That that's yeah. always that's always a good thing when when you're able to fit in and not feel like you're too much of an outsider, especially oh. if if you're like if if you're like in a teenage, you know, like the pre adolescence sometimes. Because I think that that's the most difficult stage for a lot of us when we're trying to figure out some things. Absolutely, but I've always been uh, very mature for my age when I was young, and I adapt easily. And that proved to be, uh, I'm, I'm a very, I've always been very resilient and very adaptable. So that ended up working in my favor later on in my life when I began getting in trouble. So those were attributes of mine that I think that uh, they helped me navigate through life. Okay, so when you say you started getting in trouble, and around this time, this was this maybe was like the late seventies, sometimes in the eighties. I'm a seventies baby too. I'm like the the late seventies, um, early seventies. So this was early eighties when I started getting in trouble. So um, I was born in seventy two. So eighty two, I was ten. So this is about eighty five, okay. eighty eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. And were you involved in any any gangs at the time? Um, no, not 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 yet. That was later on in life. Oh, okay. Okay. What now as later on in life, what drew you into that lifestyle? Um, just my environment. My environment. Um, that's all I was around at oh. the time. 
and were like at the time getting through all of that or being in that did you have any children around that time so um let me just give you a timeline that might make it easier um i came out here when i was 12 um i started using cocaine at 13 um 13 and a half 14 um i was in and out of institutions um and i ran away from home uh so I was on my own as a runaway um, until I was of age. Um, I got pregnant when I was 18. Um, by the time I was 19, I was in jail. And um, I had just had my first child, then I went to jail when I was 19. And um, so I ended up in and out of jail for quite a few years and prison, county jail and prison. Um, and I had uh, three children at that time. Um, I have four total. Um, one I've had on this side of the tracks, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, but yeah, so I had three. Wow. And was that was that a challenge for you, considering the the lifestyle that you were in and trying to raise your children? Was that a challenge? I didn't raise my children, um, so. When, let's see, I went to jail the first time. I didn't get out until she was uh, one years old uh, with the first child. And I continued to get in trouble. And uh, I was also in my addiction, addiction at the time. And um, so she went to my mother um, while I was getting in trouble. Um, then I had another one and she went to my mother. Um, and the third one was adopted. I won't speak a lot on him. Um, he's back in my life. He came and found me a couple years ago, but he was adopted. Um, and you know, that's a, that's a story I don't talk about. Um, okay. not for me, but for him. Um, okay. I'm transparent, um, but it's out of, out of his protection. Um, Understood. yeah. So, um, now, even though my, my mother raised uh, my two daughters, I was still in their life. Um, I, I got out of prison and was sober. They were eight and two. Um, they're now 31 and 20, getting ready to be 26. So I've been in their life. I just wasn't the one raising them. Okay. And did any of that ever cause any problems between you and your parents? Um, I'm not close to my parents. I never have been. Okay. Okay. Well, no, let me take that back. My father and I used to be very, very close until uh, till recent. Um, a lot of it is because of uh, a lot of this drama that you spoke about um, earlier, but that's a whole nother five-hour show. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, I mean, I'm, I, I say I'm not close to them. I'm not really close to anyone in my family. I've been a loner most of my life, and there's been a lot of harm in my family um, to myself. Um, and so I've always been distant from my family. Like I said, I've been on my own since I was 14 years old. Um, I am cordial to my family. Like I respect my family. I speak to them. I'm there for them if they need me, but I'm not really a, a family person in that, in that respect. Okay. And I know that um, sometimes, you know, the, the, kind of piggyback off of what you said I do know that there's a lot of people who had some things happen into their lives with family and it, and it changes the perception of family and the view of family or who to trust the time that you were homeless was it because of your lack of trust with your with your parents or your family or was it just like a something that you needed to do or you believed you needed to do for yourself I was living with my mother when I, you know, when I moved to California. Yeah, I came to meet my mother for the first time, um, and uh, I became part of her lifestyle, uh, which is not conducive to anybody at the time. Of course, she she got out of that life lifestyle um, early in the game, but I kept going. Um, but I also felt it was something I needed to do because um, 
in my perception at that time, I was being abused at home, uh, mostly mentally and sometimes, you know, uh, physically. So um, I felt that I was not loved at home. I felt I was hated and I was treated that way um, in my in my perception at the time. Um, and it drove me to very unhealthy emotional places as a child. So I felt for my own sanity, I had to go. Okay. And that, that happens a lot. I know that there was a lot of, there were a lot of hardships that I had also went through, but I was too afraid to run away and, and too afraid to do some things. And a lot of the decisions that I made to not do that. And, you know, it's, this is a no judgment zone. It's just basically being transparent and clear. Yeah. Um, I just think for myself, I was more of afraid of the person I knew I could become had I went and ran away, ran out in the street. But I also had my grandmother, uh, one of my grandmothers who kept me grounded enough to not be in that, you know, uh, put myself in that situation. Um, at some point I felt like, and this was probably in my twenties that I had hit a rock bottom part of my life. Have you ever hit rock bottom? And if so, did the rock bottom help you pivot to make a change for a better life for yourself? I've hit several rock bottoms. Um, and I say that because rock, when we look at rock bottoms, uh, it's different in different areas of your life, right? So right. you can hit a mental rock bottom, an emotional one, a physical one, um, a financial one. Um, so I've, I've hit rock bottom in, in all of those areas, sometimes all at once and sometimes one at a time. Um, do they make you pivot though? For me, absolutely. I think rock bottom is necessary. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that um, it's not until then that you get sick of yourself and change doesn't occur until you get tired of your damn self. No matter what anyone else says, no matter what their lectures are, no matter what their complaints are, their grievances with you, until you're tired of you, nothing changes. Very true. Very true. And with the changes that you were able to make, so... Once you got yourself clean and, and you moved forward, you earned you earned a degree. Is that correct? I've earned three degrees. There you go. That's queen <laughs> stat. That's queen status stuff right there. <laughs> that's that. So so yeah, you know, um, throughout all that in the past, I um, I dropped out of school at thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was eighteen, and I was pregnant with my first daughter. Something told me, go ahead and just, uh, you know, you get a little bit more inspired and motivated when you have kids. So I was like, you know, F it. I'm just going to try for this GED and see if I can pass it. And that was when I was 18 and I passed it. Um, still don't know how because um, I'm not going to get I dropped out at 13 years old. So um, five years later, I took my GED and, um, you know, my life spiraled after that. Um, however, when I got sober at 27, I um, had a mentor who I went to. I had about two years sober and I was like, look, okay, now I'm sober and I'm realizing more about myself and who I am and who I'm not, and what I want in life. And, uh, you know, because prior to that, I had no dreams, no aspirations, no, I want to be this when I grow up. Um, I really didn't have that. And I had no direction um, ever. So... I went to this mentor who was very, who is very successful uh, when I was 29. And uh, she said, why don't you go to school? And I looked at her crazy, like, who does that? <laughs> like, you know, nobody in my, you know, where I come from, we don't talk about school. What are you talking about? Like, who does that? Um, and she shared, you know, her views about, you know, education with me. And I was like, you know what? Okay, well, I really don't have any other options. You know, I had been homeless since I was 14 years old. I, I didn't never had a real job. I had never had my own place. 
I had never had anything uh, but the streets and um, and prison. And um, so I said, okay, well, I guess I'm gonna try it. And that was a whole experience in itself because I had no idea what a prerequisite was. Never heard the word syllabus before. I didn't know what a FAFSA was, uh, AKA financial aid. Um, I didn't know what an admissions office was. Like I had never done anything with my life by the time I was 29 years old. So uh, the GED didn't mean nothing to me at the time. Like it didn't do nothing for me. Um, And I was intimidated as hell. Um, I'm almost 30. I was six months pregnant with my youngest. And um, I started going to the JC. um, And I took on a full load. I was lost didn't know what I was doing but I just suited up and showed up every day and lo and behold I had straight A's my first semester and I started to get the hang of things and I just kept going and then uh, after that I got accepted to five universities when I graduated with my AA degree Uh, got accepted to five universities and went on to my bachelor's and um, got my bachelor's, my undergrad in, in sociology, as a sociologist. And then um, I went on to USC and got my master's. That, see, that that's inspiration. If anything, those are goals. And even if someone had not taken the road or the path that you had taken in your life, those are still goals. It's just basically anyone who puts their mind to it and, and are determined to do something with themselves, they can do it. And you know, I, I actually, you know, I recently got um, accepted for a doctorate's program too, but I turned it down because my life is too full right now. But you know, speaking on what you just said, to be honest, I think so many people do things with the idea that they're doing it to better themselves and a lot of people fail and or give up I should say Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you I would not have gotten this far if I didn't have a different mindset and my mindset has been that my purpose had to be bigger than me it had to be bigger than what I thought what I felt and what I wanted um my purpose had to be bigger than me. And um, there's two steps to that. One, finding out your purpose. Right? Right. And then how do you find a purpose that's bigger than you? And so my whole motivation for school and the only reason why I was able to fight through and get through it as a single parent um, was because I wanted other people who came from where I came from to know that it could be done. I wanted other convicts to know that there's a life after prison. I wanted other addicts to know that there's life after addiction. Um, There's life after domestic violence. There's life after sexual assault. There's life. No matter how far down the scale we go, no matter what we go through, we can uh, get back up again. And so that purpose um, and, and, and attempting to give hope to other people is what kept me going. It really wasn't about me at all. Do you think a lot of people are afraid to find their purpose because they're they're possibly afraid that they're actually they can actually make something of themselves? People are afraid to look for their purpose because they're too lazy to do something outside of themselves. No last hope. I mean, I believe that what you said is it's also a factor for some people, but majority of people are so lazy in their thinking and lazy in their movements because it's especially in westernized you know civilization over here. Um, everything is individualistic. It's all about me, me, me. Mm-hmm. Not us, us, us. And this just came from someone who I had talked to uh, prior to talking to you. This was a while back. Um, someone who someone who had just came out of um, 12 years of being sober. Mm-hmm. And he was very close to me. And, mm-hmm. some, and, and he relapsed. Mm-hmm. And he said that um, there was pretty much no point in trying to stay sober because he honestly felt he didn't have a purpose or that he was nothing better than 
And I felt bad for him, but being that I have not ever walked that life, uh-huh. or being there, I didn't know how to relate or comprehend. The only thing I told him was to find something within you that would help you stay motivated to be better. And to to look for that support that's needed. But for someone like myself who basically always try to look for the good in people, but then at the same time, if I see someone who I deeply care about, or not even just someone I know personally, if I see someone who is doing something that's not conducive, and I know the potential is there to do something better, I normally try to be as supportive as I can. What advice would you have for someone who relapsed or believe that they don't have anything to offer, not just for them, you know, for the society, but for themselves. Um, are you asking me what I would tell the person who uh, is afflicted or the person who's trying to help them? The person who is afflicted. I would, um, you know, that is a difficult question because you cannot create motivation for other people. You can only inspire. Motivation comes from within. So it's very difficult. And a lot of people think, you know, I'm trying to motivate you and, and you cannot motivate somebody that, that comes from within. Um, me personally, the only thing that I could do is share my experience with them. And that can either inspire them and give them hope or they choose the path they want to be on. Um, I, my job, the only thing I can do is inspire, try to inspire, try to share and give them hope. Um, and, and that's pretty much the only thing that I would be able to do. Other than that, it's a choice within them, especially when it comes to addiction. Um, at the end of the day, it's a choice of whether they want to live or die. You have to have more of a desire to live than die. Yeah, very, very well said. Very well said. Now, the other thing that I had learned about you is you're an author. Mm-hmm. Can you tell Can you tell us about your book and what your motivation or your inspiration was to write your book? Uh, my book is called Cracking the Chains, uh, Bondage to Liberation. Um, it's an autobiography of my life. Um, and of course, my inspiration is the same that inspired me to go to school and everything else that I do um, to give people hope. Um, and to inspire, you know, the same, the same the same thing I was just saying about why I went to school and, and the importance of, you know, inspiring and giving hope to other people. Okay, and is, is your book found on Amazon? It is. It's on Amazon only, um, on ebook and paperback. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it's funny, my subtitle is Bondage to Liberation. And so many people don't, I think, look at words, right? Bondage is not just literally being bound, right? We can be in bondage of our thinking, bondage of emotions. No, we can be in a prison in our own mind. And um, I do fight for liberation um, outwardly, right? For against oppression and racism and all of that. Um, but it's so important that people understand that you have to fight for the liberation within yourself first. Yes, we do. Yeah, it has to start with you as an individual looking within you and sometimes finding out the ugly things about you and how to work on it, it, it can be scary and intimidating. Oh, I know. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I know for myself, there were so many things that I've learned about, about myself, especially within the last 17 years. And I knew I had a lot to work on and I know I, I still, I'm on my journey uh, to, to, to continually better myself. So, yes, bondage, I agree with everything you said. It doesn't necessarily have to mean you have to be physically tied, but there are some things that can go on mentally that can cause you to be stuck. Yeah, that journey that you speak of, too, that journey is, you know, very few people are willing to take that journey. You know, my journey has always been, not always, my my journey has been in the last 10, 15 years, uh, 
to gain access to an understanding of my highest authentic self and and the highest truth, uh, whatever that may be. And whether I like it or not. Um, but once you start a journey like that, you never you never end. And if you do, you're gonna hit a bottom that's real ugly. See, I believe that those who don't know better, they don't know better. But once you know better and don't do something about it, there's serious prices that you pay universally. Mm-hmm. You pay yeah. a price, you know, because when you know better, you do better, right? That's and if true. you don't, if you don't, there's prices that you pay for that. And you never know what that price will be. It could be it could be within yourself. It could be the people around you that pay for you. Um, you never know. So now, like I said, being that um, I started to know who you were on TikTok and you are one of my favorite people, I, I may say I'm just, I have to say that just I'm not saying that because you're on the podcast, but I'm actually saying that being truthful. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Um, and I had started to know who you were through um, through Mike Nick. Um, oh. Yeah. And he spoke of you so much on his you know, <laughs> content. I said, let me check out who he keeps talking about. So I went through and I was like, yo, I'm feeling her. This woman right here is speaking so many truths on so many levels. I can see why there are so many devils that's coming after her. Wow. Oh. You know, and, and, my, and my thing is people don't like to to face the truth mm-hmm. how ugly it is they would rather listen to or accommodate to a pretty lie than the ugly truth who say it again look I, i'm a firm believer you know on that journey that i've been on um i'm a firm believer for for me that i'd rather be in the fetal position after in the truth than happy joyous free and alive Mm-hmm. I refuse. All day. And when you call people out on their on their stuff, I and I had normally I say say what you want to say. I don't care if you drop F bombs and everything like that, but <laughs> I, yeah. mm-hmm. but this one I said, I'm gonna do this a little bit differently because I feel like next to the one segment that I had done with a young gentleman named Maurice, um this is where all the explicatives have to have to go out the window. With that particular platform that um, that we're on, and we see we see it for what it is. The moment we speak out on stuff, here here comes the trolls. Here comes the haters. You know, mm-hmm. here, here comes the people putting up flag on a play community guideline. This. Mm-hmm. Why do you think there's an increased interest? <coughs> of people wanting to define or correct you for you speaking out on a lot of the BS that goes on. Well, you know, just to put it in context, I I don't generally get attacked um, by people I don't know or trolls. Um, These individuals you've seen attack me. I actually had personal relationships with at one time. Many of them. A few of them. Uh, some of the ones that keep hiding their hand but they're in the background um, doing what they do Um, and they um, they again being who I am like you said I do call people out and I will call out my own friends as well and um, I called a couple of my friends out uh, behind the scenes you know off the app like you moving foul you're out of pocket for this and that um, you're looking kind of shady. I don't roll like that. I don't rock like that. And um, based on hurt feelings, here we are. Um, they've decided to go from nondescript to uh, let me see if I can rally as many uh, other people um, use white supremacist tactics to evoke uh, emotional distress on people to fit their narrative so people will help them attack. Um, These same individuals with hurt feelings also put a a, a black activist male in jail, uh, T. Nathan Fairley, 
right, um, right. behind her feelings um, because, you know, he didn't want them um, or he didn't give them attention That's or crazy. he called them out. Um, and, you know, here we are, you know, um, now the, the, the so-called beef or the issues that people see on TikTok, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this. I'm an activist before, during, and after TikTok. And I stand for what's right, either what, no matter what the, what, what the topic is. And until that black man gets out of jail, I will continue to stand and speak out. I don't care what the repercussions are. Um, this isn't just a TikTok beef. They have, you know, they have called my schools, uh, pretending to be me. Um, mm. They've called my jobs. They have made fun of and doxed my son and made fun of him for being shot. And he is a black man. They have uh, posted my alleged DNA. They have posted my birth certificate. They have posted my address and my phone number. They've uh, rallied to get people to call my job um, several times. Um, they've contacted family members. Um, they have done, they've uh, disparaged my book. They have disrespected my business. They have made um, false, uh, what do you call it, um, reviews on my book um, online. Um, they've done countless pages uh, making fun of my book and my sexual assaults. Um, yeah, there's no lengths that these people won't go to to try to be important. Mm, that's terrible. To that, That's just terrible. And I have, you know what, for the first time in a minute, I can say I'm actually speechless because I knew just from what I've seen um, in, some, in some of the dialogue and some people who support you, you know, basically saying that what the other people are doing is out of pocket, it's inhumane, it's, it's, it's crazy. But when someone goes after your livelihood, that's, that, that's, that's beyond, that's beyond acceptable. You don't, you do not bring, you can have your problems and your beef with anybody, but what a lot of people don't understand is that same energy that they're doing to take from you or, or to, you know, to, buy, to, to basically try to demean you or to take you or, or try to pull the rug from under your feet. That stuff comes back to people in one way, shape or form. And the moment, and, and to me, it's more or less the moment that they see you elevating and they see that you're no longer that person that they, that they can spit on, shit on, step on. They see you skyrocketing and doing something big, especially since you're also an activist. It's almost like, let me take you down a couple of notches because I'm not there. I'm not where you are. I see where you're going, but I want to remind you, you, you're no better than me. Instead of applauding you and supporting you for everything that you're doing, and even though they don't like what you're saying, it's like, let me go into attack mode because I got to make sure you remember you're not better than me. I don't like people like that. Well, you know, I mean, we can't control people's uh, internal hate right. or their internal insecurity. You know what I mean? It's right. like there's an internal hate. Um, when they were friends with me, uh, they rode my coattail on that activism because they've never done activism in their life. You know, mm. something Brother T. Nathan says all the time, do not take constructive criticism from those who have constructed nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means a lot. That says a lot. These are uh, people who are irrelevant um, in their own lives, <laughs> let alone anyone else's. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I don't like them. I'm saying it because they've never constructed anything. They sit on their couch day in and day out, literally online, talking about myself from 8 to 12 hours a day. That's crazy. Literally. Um, and, you know, uh, the lies that they come up with. You know, my thing is this. I'll call you out on some shit. And, and, and all of my content is basically just feuding and showing receipts for their lying. Um, I don't attack anybody. No one has seen me attack anybody. 
Now I'll cuss you out for disrespecting me, but I don't attack nobody. And you'll never see me attack anybody unless it's a racist. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, what makes us different is I don't have to lie um, to prove a point. I don't have to lie just because I don't like you. Mm. Um, I'm a firm believer in the truth defends itself. The right. truth speaks for itself. I don't have to defend truth. Right. And keep, So I allow them to talk and, you know, yeah. I don't address a, high, a quarter of the people, not even a fraction of the people who attack me every day. I do not well, respond does, to everything that those who do attack me say because it's irrelevant. Right. I was just about to say it's irrelevant, you know. And the other thing that I I never agreed with is if you have a if you have a problem with me, you leave my kids out of it. Leave my kids out of it. No At child the end of the day, should ever be put in the middle of two adults having a disagreement. At the end of the day, these people are obsessed with me in the most sickest type of way they have stalked me they have um, harassed me um, they've defamed my name they've tried to purchase my businesses in my book they've tried to uh, get LLCs in my in the name of my book in my business so they can try to take up the GoFundMe for my nonprofit. Um, these people are obsessed with me obsessed with myself and T. Nathan. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is what's even more sick. We'll give you T. Nathan, for example. A lot of them didn't like him. Some of them fell out because he didn't want them. And they had their little feelings hurt. Uh, but they were never after him. Until they had their feelings hurt. Um until he exposed them for the lies that they keep spewing out their mouth. Um, this this little group now, the the fizzle, you know, the Fiona and Donkey show that's going on, um, <laughs> and Shrek. Um, they, uh, T. Nathan went to, to one of them, went to uh, the girl that never takes her bonnet off. And he, I was on the phone when he called her and he said, what do you want? Like, what's your end game? What do you want from me? She said, I don't have a problem with you. I have a problem of you being okay with Cuban Delight. And I need you to get out the way so I can go for her. And I want you to denounce her. And he said, it's not happening. Bye. Wow. And as a result of that, it was a full-on attack on T. Nathan. And that's why he's incarcerated now. Unbelievable. Wow. Now, where do you, where do you see things going as far as with this app? This the TikTok for me, I've only been on it for a year, and within this year, I've seen so Man. many. It's I can't even put a description on it. It's the madness. It's almost like being back in high school, where you have these cliques of people who oh okay we're we're good over here but don't come over here i don't like you so because i don't like you because you talked about her or because you talked about him so now i got to try to blow your shit up what do you know i think for me you know as a mental health professional Mm -hmm. uh, it's a breeding ground for mental health issues Mm, i never thought of it that way the level of mental health um, not only being weaponized, meaning they attack people and be like, oh, it's my mental health. Um, not only being weaponized, but undiagnosed mental health is a serious problem on this app. If you sit back and just watch, it is dis- disturbing. Mm-mm-mm. I never even thought of it. I have, I'm a therapist. Wow. I'm a therapist and I have never seen so many people that have an anxiety disorder or a depressive disorder or a borderline or bipolar or, you know what I'm saying? There are so many mental health issues amongst these people, stalking people. Mm -hmm. And so people have said, well, if you know they have mental health, why don't you just ignore them? 
uh, mental health does not excuse behavior. Right? Because there's help for that. Right. So if you have a mental health issue and you're not going to get the help that you need, then you're still accountable for your actions. Um, if you if you have enough uh, mental gumption about yourself to attack people, then you need to be able to take the, the reaction. <laughs> but what I will not do is allow them to um, uh, affect my mental health. Absolutely. People ask me every day, how do you do it? You're attacked all day, every day. And I have bad days. But the truth is this. Those who are older will understand this. It's not what they call you. It's what you answer to. Truth. Half the shit that they say about me is such a, I mean, all of it, everything they say about me is such a lie. Like, why would I even have to respond to that? Right. It's almost like for me, and, I, and I've heard this before from uh, from a different content creator, which, which I agree with. You can keep the stories going. Whatever narrative you've heard about me, go ahead and, and keep believing it or keep saying it. Because when I actually hear the story, I want to be entertained. I want I want to know something about me that I didn't know. And if it's if it's your version of me, then then that's fine. That's your version of me. I cannot tell somebody how to think or how to feel about me because if I allow that to happen, and that does, I'm just speaking for myself, then basically I'm going to be succumb to the whole people pleasing or let me try to change who I am to make you happy. But then that's just going to mess up my mental health and my growth that I'm trying to do with myself. And the thing that I've seen with this, you know, with this app. I never even thought of it as so many people want here with mental health. So now, now it's going to be like the next time I see something, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You know, look, how I'm crazy, right? I'm, yeah, I'm my, crazy. My thing, is, <laughs> my thing is this too: what you think of me is none of my business. It's what I think mm-hmm. about me that's important. Mm-hmm. Truth. And you know, I've worked hard on on, on seeking that authentic self. Right. The more you get to know you, the more less you're concerned about what other people think of you very true and as one of my one of my dear friends have constantly told me especially uh, within this last year stop giving it down and start doing you why should I care or why should I put that much energy into your perception of me and why am I going to allow you to basically affect my mental and my emotional once I actually understood what he was saying I started putting that into practice because sometimes it takes people a longer time. And like I said earlier, these last 17 years have been something for me and I've been on a healing journey and, and I've been trying to continue to elevate myself in a different in a different light, especially since I have four kids myself. Um, not allowing them to see or think that it was okay to be in a situation that I was in was not okay. You know, my thing too is like, why would I care what a bunch of strangers think of me? I, I don't oh, know yeah. these people. Right, right. It's what I think of me and how I f- and how I feel about myself and where I'm going to take myself is the most important. So well, I don't. I know that I'm not no perfect person, and I know a whole lot of people don't like my approach. But what they can't do is say that I lie. What they can't do is take away my activism. What they can't do is take away from my life journey and my life story and my willingness to help anybody and bring hope to the masses. Uh, What they can't take away is the fact that uh, by myself and with the Black Panther Party, I do work in my community. They can't take anything from me. The only thing they do and accomplish, everything that they do is a reflection of them, not me. Truth. The so fact true. that you are so dominated and consumed with another person's pockets is insane. The fact that you're consumed so much by another woman, there's, look, I call it ego and pride, but there is no way on the planet in a lifetime that I would ever let a female see me dominated like that. Like, mm. they are so consumed with me, I would be embarrassed if I were them. That they are so consumed, like, 
like like they're victims like i would never allow another person to know that i you know that they got me like that like i mean i would be embarrassed if i were them i'm embarrassed for them mm. there's no way oh my god did you see what she did to me i couldn't i can't see but i can't see me doing it <laughs> <laughs> i can't do it like yeah. you'll never see me sweat even if you affect me, you'll never see it. Like, I don't know. I, I got enough self-pride or, you know what I'm saying, self-esteem that I would never, ever get on this internet talking and lying about somebody broke me on the internet. Ever. Right. Never. It's but like a tip. See, me standing for what's right is not even about me. Standing for what's right is not defending me. I'm defending the perp, the 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 the, the uh, principle, the principle of uh, melanated people putting a black man in jail and participating in it. Me standing up against bullies, stalkers on this internet. See, because what I do know for a fact, not everyone is like me. Not everyone has my resilience, nor my tenacity, nor my courage and strength. Not saying I'm better than anybody, but not not everybody has that. And how many people unalive themselves every day? How many people go into a depression every day? How many people are consumed and devastated by what these people say and do about them? Mm-hmm. So I'm not standing just for me. I'm standing for T. Nathan. I'm standing for every person who's been bullied and, and harassed. I'm standing for activists who are disrespected daily when they put their life on the line by people who don't even get off their couch. So when it comes down to, to our black people and, and other people of color, what do you think the main problem is or why we cannot stay unified? Uh that is a multi-level answer. One of them is intergenerational trauma. Uh, another answer would be the Willie Lynch syndrome. Uh, lack of uh, education and information. Um, internal hatred. Uh, denial. Did I say education? I did, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, you did. Lack of education. I just want to reiterate that. Lack of education and lack of knowledge of self. Wow. I I agree with that one. I have to agree with that. And yeah, it is. It's a it's a multi-level thing. And we you can actually just name off hundreds of them, but I think those are the most the most prominent problems that we have. And this is sad. And as much as we talk but about, that's how, that's how the oppressor wants it, though, right? Right. And as much as we talk about, you know, whether it's, it's on social media or not, um, as much as we talk about trying to unify and do what we got to do to get it together, you can have seven people all on board, and then you have the other three out of a forum of ten that will do what they have to do to keep it divisive. So really, we're not going to get any, anywhere without those foundational reasons that you just listed off. Man, um, every movement, every black movement in the history has been sabotaged by who? By ourselves. Yeah, our own people. Our own people. We are black the demise. Yeah, we are the demise of our own people. And it's, it's when you say it, You'll have people like, no, that's not true. Well, take a look at history. You don't even have to look at history. Take a look at what's going on right now. Well, that's the problem. See, they don't understand that activism isn't just being on TikTok calling out a racist for saying the N-word mm-hmm. or being problematic, right? Being an activist means uh, calling out our own issues. We can't just sit and, and blame everything on the white man when we don't want to look internally on what's going on. I can't blame every uh, male abuser in my life if I don't look at the internal stuff that was going on with me to keep attracting that type or being with that type or staying with that type. We don't get to just look outside of us because, see, see it's easy for us to, 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 to blame all races for all things. 
because it prevents us from having to look at self. What part am I playing in the indoctrination of the white supremacists? Right? What what part am I playing in the indoctrination of my community? Like, what part am I playing in it? Me individually. Am I being an asset to my community? And just woofing on TikTok? Or am I just woofing on TikTok and ain't doing shit for my community? Like, what are, you know, it starts with us. And what are we doing individually? Like, if, if your only activism is on TikTok, that's problematic. Yes, there's a lot of people on TikTok, but you know how many trillions more people are not? Exactly. They're and we think the totality the- of everything is here on TikTok? Right. And life, there is life outside of TikTok. There's life outside of social media, period. Period, but, but no one want to talk about it. Right, I was just about to say that, but nobody wants to talk about it. So it's it, it's easy to have behind a screen. It's easy to have behind your TV. It's easy Actually, to you know at the beginning it, of this. The beginning of this conversation, I said something. Mm-hmm. People are too lazy in their thinking, right? And their actions, right? And so it goes back to that again. It is so easy for me to feel better about myself because I'm too lazy to kick some knowledge in real life to some real people um, to get my ass off my couch and do some shit so I can go on here on TikTok or, or Instagram and, and, and run my mouth and not really feel like I did something. Because I'm too lazy to think on how to organize and unify in my real life. And then for those who decide that they're going to actually go out to do something, if they don't spearhead it in the way that they want to and someone challenges them, then they go back to the couch. Because <laughs> I've seen that. Look, they want to they want to be, they want to, look, it goes back to giving constructive criticism when you've constructed nothing. Exactly. Who are you to give some uh, uh, constructive criticism when you've done, ain't done shit yourself? Who is you? Exactly. And where do you get that entitlement to speak on things that you've never done yourself? The biggest hypocrite is the one who speaks out against something that they've never tried to do themselves. If you want to tell every activist or every individual that what they're doing is wrong, then how about you get off your ass and show us how to do it right? Attacking Mm -hmm. your own people ain't it. And that's not where it's at. Exactly. Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. And I know a lot of people. Well, these people aren't even activists, so I can't even put them in the same category. But here's a whole bunch of people who are self-acknowledged or uh, self-proclaimed non-activists. They're not activists, but want to attack activists. And so. So like now for as you being an activist, because I know my, my little timer is like reminding me that we got like five minutes. Okay. Um, what's your next project or what, what's your next venue coming up if you have something coming up out your way? Um, you know, I don't have venues. Uh, I just suit up and show up where I'm called to or need to. Um, right now, um, there's a, a few different situations of police brutality out in Kentucky, as well as New York. Um, it's on my page. Um, I can't remember everyone's name right at the moment because I've been working all day and my brain is fried. But um, there's uh, a few things coming up. You know, I, contrary to what people think, there's several of us who um, meet with mothers of lost children by police brutality or otherwise, um, or people who were victims of police brutality and lived. Um, and, you know, we meet with them off the app through Zoom meetings and, and stuff like that. So um, my page will always uh, give an idea of what we're working on at the time. Okay. And I'll, be, and I'll make sure, because um, I know a few people, um, actually, I have relatives that live in California. Um, I'm not, I can't remember exactly which area, but I know that they are really heavily into um, community service and, and you know, being active and, and just trying to uplift and give more awareness 
about the things that are going on and things that need to take place, especially when it comes down to police brutality. Since that's right, that's this is like we are basically reliving the civil rights era all over again. And it's basically, to me, in my opinion, it never really stopped from never. 1964. So it, it's it's never. like a non-stop thing, and it's just it's just in a different category, or it, it's it's in a different. Um, Absolutely. Make sure you give me um, their information so I can look them up and, you know, and I can always jump in and be a part of what they're doing if they're in my area. You know, I think I want to say this, you know, one of the major purposes of TikTok for me is this. It's where you get to meet other people who are like-minded from all over, right? Different countries, different states, different cities, um, so that we can begin to construct, organize, um, different movements throughout the country. Um, those movements don't always have to be about police br- brutality. It could be anything. It could be a boycott. It could be pushing paper. It could be making some phone calls. There's different levels to activism. It's not all just boots on the ground. Um, it's not just feeding the homeless. Um, it's all inclusive, right? So TikTok is a great place for like-minded people who are really about change, period. Um, to come together and to, to begin organizing, which is the purpose of the fold. Um, it's just the people that misuse it, which makes it kind of hard. Absolutely, which is, you know, which, which it doesn't help. So yes, definitely on the like-minded part, I agree. Um, I've run into um, some people because I'm also a self-published author, so. When I had found that about you also, I was like, oh, that, that's pretty cool. Have something else in common. <laughs> so, um, so I am trying to network into everything in a different light, even though um, like Mike Nick, for example, he knows I'm a, I'm a total goofball, but I have moments when I shift my dynamics. Like, all right, I'm not doing my, my goofy stuff today. I'm promoting my books today. Okay, I'm not gonna promote my books, my books today. Now I'm gonna speak out on what's going on from right. my point of view, you know, we like got two uh, bubblegum and walk at the same time. Exactly. I'm I'm versatile like that. And also my oldest daughter who's also on TikTok, she's deaf. So I'm also an advocate of the deaf and hard of hearing community as well. Uh-huh. And by me showing those type of um, differences within me, it's also helped me network and branch out and also bring in more people to talk, you know, to bring them on my platform as well, to speak and have other people be aware of what they're doing. Um, there was a, a gentleman who had a stock drive for the homeless. Um, there was a there was a gentleman who wanted to speak out on the BIPOC communities and um, you know what's going on the troubles there. And it's, I think that the more that we network and the more that we do what we have to do to, to you know, for you you're an activist among anything else you're a wonderful human being and i just Thank wanted you. to say that again and you're an inspiration too y'all no problem and you're an inspiration for a lot of people and i wanted to and i when i say i appreciate you taking the time out this afternoon to speak on some of the things that you did and to enlighten others a little bit more about what's real and what's not what's true and what's and what's a lie I think that's also important. Um, I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you. And hopefully this won't be the last time. (laughs) So if there's anything at all um, that you honestly believe that needs to be said, um, that needs to be shared, and if if you would like to use my platform of any kind, I'm all in. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think it'd be great uh, to... I'll probably reach out to you when I'm meeting with these families and there's some movements happening in different uh, states um, and we're trying to get people there for the protests or whatever to stand in solidarity. I think your platform would be great. Uh, I can come and speak on those situations or uh, bring them to you so they can speak on it themselves uh, would be a great thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, in closing, Miss Denise, and I, I want to say this is my big sister, y'all. She don't know it yet, but I've already said that she's my big sister. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Is there anything else you would like to promote? And is there um, is there 
a way that people can find you or follow you outside of TikTok? Um, yeah, I have a new website. It, it's partially done. I'm still working on it, but it's still up. And it's the real Um I also have a nonprofit that I am. I am a 501c3. I'm trying to get it off the ground. Um, I know how to run the program. And I know how to do the paperwork. I'm just looking for grant writers right now to get it up off the ground. Um, and that is called Never Too Late. And it's never uh, dash ii dash late dot. Um, also, I'm a therapist, so I also have a website called uh, honoringourpersonalexperiences.com. Um, acronym is HOPE. Um, my book, Cracking the Chains, is on Amazon. Um, I'm getting ready to start a YouTube channel again called uh, Straight No Chaser. Um, and I'm on Instagram, Cuban underscore D underscore L-I-T-E, light. And on TikTok, I'm Cuban Delight there as well. All right. Well, Miss Denise Maupin, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and like I said, you're, you're a big inspiration and you have my support in any way, shape or form. Just let me know. I'll be there in the best of my ability. I appreciate you and thank you for appreciate you. And thank you for having me. All right. You have a good night and everybody else stay blessed and breezy. Thank you.